I always say, imali ea Loosely translated, this means to be wealthy, you need to have a relationship of mutual respect with finances, especially those of your business. Learn the how and why in this week's episode with Andile and Liso. Through this podcast, we seek to create a space, a space of refuge for entrepreneurs taking their first few steps into the severe test and trial that is entrepreneurship. The Crucible, a podcast by Andile and Liso. Hello and welcome back to the Crucible podcast. As usual, Andile behind the mic, accompanied by my great friend Uliso. Today we are talking about everyone's favorite topic, money. Money, money, money. What is money? What do we do with it? So we've set the scene and we've spoken a lot in previous episodes about impact how to structure your business etc but we all know that the businesses are there to make a profit and even though we emphasize the social and the environmental aspects of the business in most cases to fuel those aspects and those outcomes it's important that the business is successful delivers value and is compensated for that value. So we're going to get into money and understanding that our audience is largely made up of entrepreneurs who are running startups, some are working, some are students, and the money situation can get a little bit murky. And I think to lay a little bit of a foundation and to kickstart our chat, is to say, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard this before, and it's very important, your business's money is not your money. Your business is a, or once registered, etc., and you've gone through the legal processes, becomes a legal entity. And that business must run and manage its own money. And within the business, you've got agents that are your accountants or the owner or you. Um, I think maybe to bring it closer to, to home, you are an agent within the business that ensures that this thing keeps running. That is separate from the money that you use to pour gas or petrol or diesel. It's also separate from the money that you use to provide for your basic living expenses. And it's, it's important that we, that we reiterate and we emphasize this point at the very beginning as the foundation. And we'll get into some solutions, some tips that may enable you to make this distinction and maintain the distinction as your business grows, as you go into tough times without sales or without income, how do you manage that process? Is there some sort of cross-subsidizing that can take place? And how do you navigate that ground? But it's, it's, it's really a case of understanding how the money flows in and out of the business and what that means for you as an employee or an owner of the business. And as I say, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. And we'll talk, touch on some tools and resources that may be used in aiding 
and enabling the business and its owner to run efficiently and so on. Liso, your thoughts? Um, speaking about an agent, how um, the entrepreneur is an agent of this legal entity. I actually like to use the term juristic or a legal person. You know, um, I remember back in, in varsity, we used to talk about, you know, the natural person and the legal or touristic person who should be a company. And that in its own would give the company its own personal status as a, as a person on its own. And, and therefore, uh, it dictated or mandated that it be treated as such. Um, you, you would love your business to be treated as a separate person or individual to you, um, should things go wrong in this legal action that needs to be taken, um, you, you, you want that corporate veil, as it was called, not to be pierced, uh, and, and you want uh, not to take personal accountability for any errors, specifically those unintended that are not due to negligence from yourself as the owner. But in terms, we feel like people want that benefit from the company, but they're not able to give the company uh, the, 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 the right and, 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 and status of being a person on its own when it comes to finances and allowing the business rules, policies, and, and, and a protocol to dictate how business finances are used. The business must dictate for itself. I, I say that uh, as an entrepreneur, you understand that you are the business, there's no employees, and the business is you. But some, and especially early on, you know, we've talked about financing for businesses and people using your own personal income. And, you know, we've had chats around um, no one being willing to spend or fund the idea or business that you yourself are not willing to contribute towards. So we've had those kind of uh, conversations to say, if my personal finances are always going into this business, how do I then separate them from the business? So those are you know, some of the little bit of complexities that um, you know begin to come into the space. Uh, however, um, in this episode, we're going to look into you know, speaking about a few concepts that are going to help you understand the space and navigate the space a bit better. Specifically, once your business is registered and you begin to have those bank accounts, um, and, yeah. and, and and that is really what 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 we intend to do here. Talk about how you do the personal and uh, uh, business uh, finances management. And one did started by speaking about uh, being able to separate. You know, everyone talks about it, uh, but it's really really difficult to do. Um, I know for myself, uh, when you start the business as a way to supplement your, 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 your earnings, um, it's difficult to take every piece of seal and uh, throw it down the throat. Uh, uh, not in a bad way, but you know, support the family, pay off your personal debts and so forth. It's difficult not to do that when you start at the business as a means and a way to do that. But what uh, I, I want to start with speaking about those debt is it's, it's, it's always be important to look at, uh, specifically when you find yourself in debt, you know, 
whether it's uh, personal debt, uh, looking at the debt counseling organizations and companies that uh, you know are, are registered in terms of being financial advisors and with uh, finance uh, bodies and are able to give that sort of advice and speak um, on your behalf with creditors, checking up with them to see um, do you qualify for debt counseling? How can they possibly uh, move you into a space whereby you, you are debt free as, as an individual? We also look at your business in terms of saying when you started, maybe there's a few bank loans and a few business loans that you've taken. Um, how do we possibly consolidate those so that you're able to manage the number of interests that you're paying, service fees that you're paying, and just the overall admin and hassle of having to manage three or four or five different accounts. So we want to talk about those options to see. At that point in time, you know, you could you know, speak to someone at your bank, see if your business would qualify for them to, you know, consolidate and give you one uh, a credit facility that could perhaps help you in terms of your overall credit score and also being able to manage those finances. But I think it's very important for us to look at avoiding these situations. And then within the, the business itself, you know, there's a bit of financial management, a bit of financial acuteness that you need to acquire um, and employ for you to be able to keep your business uh, afloat. And then I want to talk about a few things that maybe might seem technical in the beginning, but maybe as I unpack them, they will allow the listener to begin to think about a few things in terms of how they manage specifically their business finance. Um, I think I want to go into one, starting with the capital um, specifically. Um, to see when you are building, you know, that sweat equity that you are putting into uh, in the company, you know, the first thousand rand that you used to start, you know, in, in the previous episode, you know, we had Hamo talk about um, starting her business with, I think it was a 2.4. So, so, so how do we classify uh, the 2.4? Uh, in the business, we want to always uh, put that as you know what we call capital, basically meaning it's external finances and funding that now uh, it belongs to the business, but was not raised by the ordinary operations of the business, meaning you didn't sell a product or service for you to acquire it, uh, whether that's funding that comes from a government entity or from the bank, or it's uh, uh, coming from yourself. And then in number 10, you don't necessarily need to pay it back, but you need to give that person a share in the final uh, dividend when there is such. And that's where it gets a bit complicated because by virtue of putting in capital, you are due to you a share or a dividend uh, in the company. Uh, when the books begin to balance. However, as a sole entrepreneur, 
we tend to then believe that that dividend must be declared on each lucrative contract that we sign. Uh, you know, we must be able to get our money because you know, we are the owners of the business. And with each and every sale or each and every lucrative contract comes in. And that's where it begins to confuse us because what we must be doing is really drawing salary and the salary must be not necessarily always indicative of your level of education and your experience in the market, but also taking into account the mm-hmm. financial position or the financial context of the business. Because the business itself, you know, as, as a person, when it decides on how much to offer you, uh, you know, having to separate those two every now and then, how much to offer you as an individual, it looks at its, uh, its own circumstances. I mean, look at it this way. If a gardener is coming to your place to do some gardening services and they want, say, 500 a day, um, even though they are the best gardener in, in, in the city and, you know, they, they've studied um this different land what is it called forget this course that has to do with mm-hmm. planting and you know setting up parks and all that kind of stuff even if they did that but you feel like no in, my, in terms of my household i pay a card of 250 rand and then that is where you'd negotiate and unfortunately if the gardener can't take 250 rand then he must elsewhere and that's almost the relationship you need to be having with your own business. You see, my business can only afford to give me a thousand rand. My business can only afford to give me um, three thousand rand. Okay. And then from there on, we only saving and putting the finances to other spaces. So salaries or wages need to be very structured and clear uh, in terms of what it is. And in a month where the business can't afford to pay the entire salary, it will repay you in the next months and future months, repaying these amounts. Not to say, you know, you, you get a salary increase at any point in time. And those are the kind of disciplines that um, you really need to have. But what enables or allows you to be able to do that is, you know, having clear banking in terms of a bank account where people put in on your finances makes the paperwork a bit easier, specifically if you don't have an accountant having an invoicing system whereby whenever someone wants a service or product, you issue out an invoice, invoices clearly labeled who it's for, how much was the amount, and should uh, not be able to deliver that service, being able to issue out what we call a credit note, because now according to counting, once an invoice is issued, it can't be uh, altered or changed um, what you uh, do to correct it is issue something that's called a credit note, basically meaning you owe the person and you would pay them back in services or in 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 in, in, in hard cash. So looking at it at, 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 at that in terms of you always invoicing and um getting that income coming in, giving a quote and then invoicing and that gives you a good track in your email or WhatsApp, whatever it is, gives you a good track record of what is going on in terms of income. But the one last thing that I want to speak about in terms of these terms is income received in advance. And I think that is the downfall of many people, uh, whether it's entrepreneurs that are servicing big contracts or it's even smaller services-based businesses. Uh, you know, first of all, you find in their invoicing and in their terms and conditions, they're not so clear about 
um, what is the process for refunding, what is the process for uh, cancellation of orders, et cetera, et cetera, once a person has ordered. And, and what that then does is it measures what is income together with what is income received in advance. Because the two are, it might sound the same, but they're slightly different. Income is something that is good, it's already in your account, you've given the service or product and everything's been signed off and the money's in the bank and it is done and dusted. Whereas income received in advance is you have the money, um, the contracts might be signed at that point in time, but you are yet to deliver the service of the product. Uh, and it, it's, it's what kills many uh, tender entrepreneurs that they spend that income received in advance. And income received in advance in, in technical terms of financial accounting is actually a liability. When someone pays your front, it means you owe them and you owe them a service. And if at a certain point in time, they come back and cancel that service, you need to pay back that money. And sometimes you find that people have already spent it. Or if they're and not- so what you mean there is, uh, I, I can't, when I when I sign the contract, I, I buy myself a three series just to show that uh, I'm, I'm now doing big business. No, oh, no, no, no. You, you can't sign, you can't. Okay, I've arrived now. Uh, because uh, really what uh, has happened when I've given you that, that amount of money and you're late to deliver the service is realistically saying you owe me. You owe me the service. And at times you find that the service requires a substantial amount of money to roll out. Uh, and, and that's what usually happens in general. They've got the, the first tranche and that first tranche is really what they require to roll out the business. But then they, they, you know, they get these, uh, you know, SUVs, sports cars, uh, you know, black ones, tinted windows, and and, and <laughs> you can begin to see that uh, uh, this person doesn't understand that what they are spending here is actually still, in terms of the accountants viewed as a loan, is something mm. that they are owing. It's not yet income. It only becomes income when the risks and rewards have been transferred, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if the building has been built, signed over and handed over, if the road has been built, signed over and handed over, then it becomes an income. And, and in some contracts, especially with, you know, in, in the whole construction space, you know, there's a certain amount that's held back <laughs> in case in six months time, you know, your bridge starts cracking, uh, or maybe, mm. or your road starts getting potholes and all those kind of things, and and when you, you spend with those things, uh, still thinking that I might still need to have a huge outlay where I fix the quality of my work, and I'm compromising the quality of my work by employing a limited budget. I don't eat after I've delivered the service. I think I just want to close with with, with, with one thing, uh, specifically around you know budgets, savings, and and thinking about that, there's a certain order of uh, operations. We used to talk about that in uh, mathematics uh, or MLMMS. I'm not sure if it's still called that in primary school. Uh, talk about the order of operations. What do you start with in Portmas? Uh, what comes first, second, third? When it comes to saving, you know, the order of operations is that on your income, you determine what amount must be saved 
whether it's personal or business, towards future expenditures and uncertainties. You determine mm-hmm. what percentage of the income must be saved and that percentage is saved. Then you then think about what comes to me and how do I uh, split it um, uh, left, right, and send, and how do I spend it in the ordinary operations on a day-to-day once I've put aside uh, savings for the future and uncertainties. That is the order. Uh, of how it works. And also when it comes to, again, dividends, even if you are now in the business space, uh, the order of operations is that you get your income, you apply your cost of sales to it, how much it costs you to render the service, and then you apply your ordinary expenses, such as salaries, bankings, Etc. Etc. You know, uh, cleaning, whatever it is, depending on where housing, what depending on the nature of business that you are in. Then only once you've got your profit and having paid your loans and all of those kind of things, you then talk about declaring a dividend that will be separated uh, in the end and that will come to you as a return on that capital that was first mentioned to say you've been putting in so much money. And what's nice about a dividend is even when you are no longer putting in a sweat equity, your capital stays speaking for you. Whenever there's something left at the end, you are still able to get it. So it's, it's very important for us to understand the order of operations. We, you never get paid before the bills and the corporations of the business have been fed. And, you know, there's a few tools which I think one day we'll get into in terms of what can you begin to use to be able to understand your expenses, understand your dividend if you have a need to declare, understand the number of invoices that you've issued, what has actually been paid, what are the outstanding invoices that you still need to follow up on, and, and, and specifically what is the income received in advance in terms of income that you've received, but you are yet to render the service, and therefore you shouldn't be too quick to spend or employ, employing it on yourself or employing it in business. Regardless of who mm-hmm. it is, you need to be a bit more relaxed about that. I think that's that's quite a mouthful, um, and, and it's a lot to digest, but every little bit of that information is critical. Uh, it's it's really really important, um, and you know as as you were speaking, I, I just took one or two notes um, that perhaps we 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 need to just re-emphasize. Um, and the first one that comes to mind for me is um, I offer cleaning services. A hypothetical business i'm using environmentally friendly and biodegradable cleaning agents and i am paid 1000 rand to come and clean uh, property x when that 1000 rand comes the in the business is paid yes 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 very important so the, the business is paid 1000 rand to go and uh, offer or render the service and you spoke about um the savings for future uh expenditure and for risk etc 
So you take that portion that is predetermined and you put it aside. And before you even go, uh, and, and possibly this comes in uh, even in the negotiation when you're negotiating for the contract. But what is important is to look, uh, not just to look at the 1,000 rand as uh, income into the business, but to, I think, to have a look at this piece of work that you need to deliver as a project and you cost the project how much is it going to cost you to get there how much is it going to cost you to source your equipment your material etc and you cost in um the salary of yourself going there and cleaning the carpets or the couches or whatever or your employee etc etc um and that uh, level of detail allows you then to then say okay it's going to cost me about 550 um i'm already uh, putting aside five percent ten percent of the total contract amount um and this is the profit or profit margin that i would like to make on this piece of work that then sorts it out that you don't have to work it out at the end that okay this is how much i'm going to pay my you cost it in at the very beginning um and i think that that's quite important and it doesn't need to be complicated um but understanding that um that income into the business you know for each piece of work you need to look at each individual uh project or piece of work as a profit sorry as a project cost and budget for the project and ensure that uh, in your costing, you make room for uh, risks, uh, etc., and unforeseen circumstances, but you also make room um, so that the business can pay its employees and its agents, and hopefully at the end of uh, a period, you are then able to uh, declare a dividend. You, you know, that, that's just for me a practical example, and I hope it makes sense. Um, to everyone listening um and i hope it it also simplifies it a little bit um and and i think one other thing that i picked up uh, and maybe to uh highlight again is um we spoke about uh banking and and we spoke about speaking to the bank and some of uh, some of the services offered and we'll come back to that but i think even for businesses that operate day to day on cash chisanyama um, your hair salon barber shop etc it's also important as a tracking tool um, and i think it's best practice to have a, a a bank account and it doesn't have to be a a business bank account i know two three years back the banks were charging four five hundred rand uh, for a business bank account, and that cost has come down significantly. But even then, um, maybe you would prefer to have a savings account uh, that costs you five rand a month, as opposed to a business account that costs you 150 rand a month. The principle is for your personal bank account and the money that belongs to the business or the business bank account being separate. 
That's the principle. And I think even for those cash businesses, having an account where you're able to go and regularly deposit, um, you know, you charge 30 rand for a haircut um, at the end of the, maybe not day, but possibly at the end of the month or at the end of the week or every two weeks, you count up that cash, you go and deposit it. That allows you to have a an electronic system for you to track the money that's coming in. And also when you go and spend, you don't take the 30 rand that you got from uh, Sipo and you go and uh, buy uh, more, uh, what I don't know what the proper scientific, the more spirit uh, or more oil uh, for your, for your um, hair clippers. You take the business, uh, the, the bank card and you go and pay with that. That allows you to have that electronic uh, system that you follow. Um, and as an intermediary to that, those 30 rands that you receive uh, for cutting hair, those then you have some sort of a journal and preferably uh, a digital tool that you use. And it really doesn't have to be fancy. It can literally be done on a Word document where you just write how many haircuts you did for that day, uh, how much you charge for each haircut and how much you have at the end of the day. You accumulate that over a week, over two weeks, over a month, etc. Um, and that allows you to effectively track um, those uh, those monies that are coming into that business. Um, and that speaks to documentation, um, and and uh, uh, we spoke a little bit earlier about uh, project finances and and uh, how you cost that. And I mean, even for that haircut, um, you know it's going to take you uh, 15 minutes to do a cheese cop, um, etc. And uh, you need to account for the labor, which is yourself cutting the hair or the agent cutting the hair, but also uh, the wear and tear uh, of the clipper which gets older and you need to start to account for having to repair or for having to replace uh, at a later stage and those are some of the savings um, that Lisa spoke about earlier. Now I, I then want to move on uh, to some of uh, the tools and solutions um, and we're really not going to get uh, technical and, and into a lot of depth but basic things that the the banks are now starting to offer um, to businesses, especially small businesses, uh, given, uh, especially in South Africa. I know we've got listeners across the continent and, and in other parts of the world, uh, but specifically within the South African context, there's really a context. There's really a push um, from uh, the lawmakers, to focus and support small businesses, um, make or create an environment um, that makes it easy for people to start businesses and to operate their businesses um, efficiently and effectively. And the banks have taken lead uh, from that or have taken the lead in providing some very basic yet effective tools. And, and I don't want to... Um, uh, pick out a bank 
um, I, I, they would have to pay uh, for us to to advertise uh, their services. But what's starting to become available uh, to businesses is first, um, I think they call them relationship managers. Um, and these come at different levels, um, depending on how much your company is turning over or is making in very simple terms, you know, per, per year, per annum. Um, and they begin to offer you specialized um, uh, services in terms of support uh, with regards to your, 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 um, your business's finances. Uh, and and this also applies to your personal finance, but I really want to talk about the businesses. Um, some of them have started to develop tools, and on their websites and and apps, um, they are now tools to track your expenditure. Some have even started to build in tools that allow you to set a budget. You know, so how much um of your monthly, or how much of the business's monthly income. Uh, is going to be spent uh, on fuel. Um, and they're able to track that at this moment you swiped at uh, this filling station um, or this fuel station. Um, how much are you going to spend um, at retail? So that will speak to um, maybe you're going to purchase whatever raw materials um, that you need to offer the product or the service. Um, and that allows you to have a basic view um, of what you anticipate to spend for the month. And then they've also got historical tracking tools that track that, you know, over the past three months, this is how much you've made in total. And this has been the average um, and so on and so forth. And uh, that allows you uh, on a business as usual month uh, keeping everything constant to make decisions or make predictions um, on how your business is going to perform. And it allows you to make future plans. Uh, for example, uh, by month 10 or month 15 of my business's operations, I should have saved X amount if all things go well. And if I grow by two customers every week and that will allow me to then employ one person part-time uh, pay, pay them this amount of money and then start to use my time uh, so that speaks to getting an additional uh, agent so starting to take uh, one of the agents and using their skills their effort and their sweat into in other avenues um, that may assist the business to uh, offer a wider range, a wider range of services, or a higher quality um, uh, service or product, um, or work on other businesses um, that then start to build your portfolio. Um, and 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 those are some of the benefits of of making use of of these tools. Um, I think they are also government agencies um, that offer personal finance or personal, uh, sorry, financial literacy training, workshops, upskilling. I know when you go to CEDA, 
um, and you uh, seek assistance, one of the courses and the modules that they take you through, through their um, uh, their programs, through which they assist uh, small businesses, deals with uh, finances and personal finances. Um, and those are some of the avenues. And, and I mean, going to CEDA is completely, uh, or not completely, uh, I would be incorrect, uh, but is largely uh, free. Uh, you know, at some stage there is uh, some sort of agreement that you come into um, based on uh, how far you progress and uh, how successful your business is. There, there are uh, limited costs that come in at a later stage, and that's just to allow uh, for them to help the next crop or the next cohort of entrepreneurs. But I mean, being a government agency, those services are largely free. Um, the services that are offered by the banks um, uh, are not free because you pay monthly bank charges, um, but you don't pay every time you need to access that service. And again, that comes with a little asterisk depending on what the service is and how um, the business, uh, the bank is positioning itself. But it, it gives you relatively ease of access to this information, to this assistance and support. Um, and it really allows you to run your business um, efficiently um, and and giving it that respect of being a, a juristic person, and etc. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, maybe I might be jumping the gun, uh, but Lisa, I'm not sure if you uh, if you've come across any particular tools uh, or products that that have assisted you in, in running your businesses. Google, um, being more tech savvy, they do have quite a lot of spreadsheets or, or, or Excel templates that um, allow you to be able to do the budgeting and 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 uh, income statements and you know a few automated formulas in there. So for the more tech savers. But I know um, also there's guys like Yoko, which we've talked about before, um, in terms of uh, when you get that card machine and having your profile linked to it, they're able to do all these um, different income and expenditure statements based on the number of transactions that you've had come in through your business. And even those that have come in as cash, you're able to add them in. And then and there's all those kind of different good things. Um, I've also had, you know, um, SME, a small one that has been doing rather positive things, specifically when we begin to talk about personal finance and how, you know, we know employees are stressed quite a lot by finances and funding um, and or salaries. And, and, you know, if you don't help them navigate, you know, their insurance, life covers, funeral covers, and, 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 and the likes. Sometimes the productivity is cut by the fact that they are under financial stress. I know there's an organization um, called Zizi uh, Institute that does quite a lot of uh, personal finance training, working with companies like Momentum, specifically in the peri-urban and rural areas. So I've uh, had the pleasure of uh, interacting with them, visiting the offices, and it is one of uh, not the leading role players specifically within um, 
an average listener um, of the Crucible podcast. I think those without necessarily, um, you know, highlighting them too much, uh, without necessarily, uh, you know, uh, saying those that are not mentioned about doing good work. But those for me is what stood out. Um, some of them have been able to use the products and services. Others I've watched with uh, amaze and, you know, saying uh, that definitely this is a product or service that I would use in my company once it gets to a stage whereby it is able to make use of such. But overall, it is uh, those entities that I've come to speak to. Um, but I, I really do want to, uh, first and foremost, uh, uh, you know, say that you, you, your bank that you bank with and institutes like CEDA are usually a good starting point, specifically you are a beginner in this and you don't have a finance background. Those are usually a good starting point. But over and above that, you do get quite a few tax practitioners and SMEs that do good work in this space of being accountants companies and the sooner you get into that, get into complying with uh, SARS, get into complying with CIPC returns, uh, the easier it will be because uh, non-compliance is, is it spirals. Once you start, it's really, it really becomes difficult to go back because you're afraid of the penalties and the fines and the likes. So getting into this as soon as possible is going to be what I would advise for our listeners. Okay. There you've got it, guys. I think we've covered or touched some of the, the bases. And if you have any questions, you're more than welcome to contact us. Check out the session notes for some contact details, some links and tips, and perhaps commenting on on some of the content um, that we've touched on today. And we are more than welcome to have further discussions regarding this. And if you may be an expert on some of these topics around finance, personal finance, etc., we are open to possibly having an episode with you coming in to give our listeners even more context from a professional's perspective. And having said all of that, thank you so much once again for joining us on this episode of the Crucible podcast. We hope to meet you again in our next episode. Cheers and goodbye.